the first of what we hope will be a series of podcasts on sight and insight, thinking outside the paint box. This is a podcast for artists and art lovers. Today's topic is imagination. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Judy Curtis and I'm a writer of art history books and articles on the American Impressionist movement and the artists who made it so special. Joining me for this panel discussion are the Insight Girl, Lorwyn Connie Nagel, a PhD in psychology who has been painting for the past 20 years, and David P. Curtis, an artist who has been painting professionally for more than 50 years and teaching oil painting out of doors for over 25 years. He's going to be giving us the site overview. That said, let's kick off right away with what might be the most important or the most vital thing in our bag of creative tricks imagination. It can mean artistry, awareness, insight, inspiration, originality, inventiveness. To start with, imagination should ignite our passion. Imagination and thought create our future by stimulating inspiration and motivation, thus setting our ball of energy rolling. As Einstein said, imagination is everything. It is the preview for life's coming attractions. And imagination is also magical. As a child, I was constantly berated for daydreaming, but in my own mind, I was creating a reality that I thought was much more interesting than arithmetic. Maybe we should all try to be more imaginative in our lives. In this 21st century of ours, we may have more labour-saving devices, electronics to help us keep in touch with everyone, everywhere, at every moment of the day, But surely our minds need some respite from such angst of always being on call. Isn't that where creativity comes in? Art, either executing it or hanging a painting on the wall to enjoy losing ourselves in it, is surely one of the most important facets of our lives, a safe haven in times of stress. The human mind needs a creative distraction to help us live more interesting and fulfilling lives. And so, Connie, let me ask you this, as both a psychologist and as an artist, how can we best use the imagination to grow, not just as individuals, but more especially as artists? Thank you, Judy. Um, I would say that imagination, like you said before, does come from something beyond the senses. It's beyond perception. We may see things in nature or outside of you know, as far as like an object, but we imagine feelings associated with that object. And um, I, as uh, Harold Speed, who is um, in particular a a fantastic um, uh, writer on, on drawing and painting, has said that art is the rhythmic expression of feelings. And, um, the biggest things in drawing and design come under this heading 
of imagination. Imagination comes into play whenever we are developing a composition from nature because we perceive a mental, we perceive a scene before us, let's say, and a mental image uh, comes, comes forward whether we're conscious of it or not and it allows us to create those basic rhythmic lines that uh, David and I have discussed as far as uh, compositionally become the, the uh, skeleton or foundation of a good painting. David, could we ask you the same question? You've been teaching and uh, you've been a practicing artist for such a long time. You're one of the old masters now, I understand. Uh, so how do you feel uh, imagination helps you in what you do? Well, Connie pointed out that the feelings, which, which bring in not the exact forms that we might see in nature, uh, brings about the inspiration uh, in order to create a painting. And I think that's very true. Um, from, the, from the point of view of what we see, we are obviously also inspired by uh, mountains or rivers or valleys uh, in order to paint them. But I think in order to design those onto a canvas, I think it's very important to let the imagination go and to say, how are those mountains and rivers and trees in the foreground all joined together and making sort of a scene or something to put on our canvas? And if you don't use the imagination, I don't think you're able to construct a composition that would feel just like nature. So what you're saying is that when you go out to paint and you're looking for a composition, do you choose something that's already a perfect scene, or do you find something that's close to what you want and then move certain elements around to, uh, that you would imagine would make the scene better? Connie, how would you go about it? Well, one of the things that I was going to mention, too, from a psychological standpoint, is that just when we were talking about putting down a gesture or a line uh, on your canvas and you're out, let's say you're out in plein air painting on site, uh, you see a tree, um, some water before you, a horizon, a sky, you, you place a gesture on the canvas and uh, that gesture involves not just the, nat the natural appearance that you're seeing before you, but also a mental association mm -hmm. that you have. And psychologically, these abstract gestures are an effort, I think, to capture life, not as a fixed form, but as a dynamic process of becoming. And I think that that is something that's more fundamental to art that we have lost in this age because we have the iPhone, we have the, the easy way to capture a photograph, of, uh, uh, the image. But that image before us isn't the sine qua non, let's say. It's not, the, the, it's not everything because without the feeling beauty involved, you do not have a true oil painting. So that's the human side of things. Absolutely. So it's yeah. not just involving what we see, but it's bringing yourself yes. into the painting. 
And I was going to say, yes, and it is imperfect. And uh, as a result, this creative act becomes recorded on the canvas. And I believe that people lose sight that that's what original oil painting is all about. It's recording something that was formless before, mm -hmm. and it creates a form. And it's, it's a gesture that then lives on uh, throughout eternity, let's say. Mm -hmm. I think that's very true. I, I, think, I think it is, a, it is personal, and, but it's, that, it's the personality of the individual artist who makes contact with nature and is one with nature and surrounded by nature is able to not only see the thing that's in front of him or what he puts on his canvas, but the feelings he generates as he's working out of doors plain air. Right. Uh, I was also reminded um, recently at Christmas time I received um, a Christmas present which was Leonardo da Vinci, His Life and Times uh, uh, by Isaacson. And um, it's, um, as I read it, what Leonardo was doing was trying to create beauty through feeling. So in the adoration of the Magi and all these other wonderful paintings, it was talking about how he laboriously placed every person within the scene in some kind of gestural feeling nature. And I think that that's what makes him a master versus looking at other paintings and saying, wow, that's a good rendering of that scene, but I get no feeling from it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, an artist, when they're creating a piece, if you imagine two or three artists uh, all beside each other painting the same scene, theoretically they would all come up with something slightly different, either in what they put in or leave out. Uh, I was always fascinated by when we were doing um, a book about the history of Rocky Neck that several artists would be painting from the top of Banner Hill and you could see these, these images and if you looked at them beside one another they were all similar and yet they all had a very personal interpretation and so presumably this is where the imagination comes in as to, as to how they're looking at the same scene. Um, and this is, I think, is what makes it is so important to, uh, to be able to exercise your imagination. I was interested in the fact that Albert Einstein is full of very useful comments about, uh, about how to create uh, um, different I ideas. He said, logic will get you from A to Z, but imagination will get you everywhere. Now, you don't normally think of Albert Einstein in connection with painting, and yet the the idea of what he was creating, he's creating his theory of relativity and therefore using the imagination for anybody uh, is going to take you into um, the, the sphere of, of looking, exploring, um, just fulfilling, being more fulfilled in your life with, with different things. Um, I, I could also mention something about that. Um, that mental association which we would... Um, put in as synonymous with imagination. Mm -hmm. it's, it's associative uh, thoughts and feelings that, we, that, the, that the artist has in his inner life, his or her inner life, that allows them to make uh, these um, 
these shifts and changes in their composition, their oil composition. <laughs> and it's based on temperament. So we, as a psychologist, I would say that temperament uh, of the artist is in a very important aspect. And, um, and the other thing I might mention is that um, in, in order to convey a, a, a beautiful painting, what you need is you need an emotional fitness. There's an, it, prior to painting a painting, somebody needs to know what, they, what their intention is and what they want to convey. And that is in the feeling sense. And uh, so when, when an artist goes to set up their canvas and um, uh, their easel out in nature, uh, it may be a marsh scene uh, before them, but they need to think about how is it that they're feeling then and, and what, is, what kind of feeling do they want to portray and convey in this particular oil painting. Mm -hmm. So is this, like, it's, it's, it's a bigger consciousness. Mental flexibility. It. It's yes. being flexible enough to accept what nature is providing, but bringing yourself, being ready to bring yourself to that, that, that challenge that nature's giving you. Right, um, and, and also it's developing not just the skills uh, to to paint, uh, which involve color harmony and design and and uh, line and and drawing skills, but also being able to express feelings that are beyond those technical skills. Yes, and I think I think that exploration is a real challenge for those for those those elements of painting. Uh, of understanding what you're doing or how to render form. Sometimes we get caught up in the form for the sake of form rather than for a new way to express the form. Yeah. If I look at a tree and I painted it a certain way uh, a week ago and it was very successful and somebody bought that painting, I, 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 to just reproduce it would never be enough for me. I'd have to find another way that that tree, and I think the tree offers that. Uh, mm -hmm. offers that to us. I think nature is, is uh, well, we, we know now through science that nature is made up of fractals, which is this sort of infinite concept, or this the, the infinite shape is in front of us. Is and this I, the broccoli theory? In the, it's the broccoli <laughs> theory. I don't think it was Mr. Broccoli who created it, but I think it's a Mendelbrot uh, concept. No, the infinite shape. The infinite shape. But I think that infinite shape, and we've the, the Greeks had the they had pi and understanding the golden ratio, and I think those are all ways of formulating a plan. But it still, I, I think it still boils down to the, the 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 feeling of the individual and what he brings to what he brings to what he sees. Yeah, can I ask you, David, about an artist like George Innes, who did some wonderful paintings? Now, was he being creative in? Uh, using his memory, or was he being creative uh, in using his imagination to to uh, he would go out and and look at some of these uh, dramatic scenes in nature and then go back and work in his studio. But what do you think was the main impetus? Was he just trying to create a great painting, or was he using his imagination 
as I, a starting point. I, I do think, yes, you're absolutely right, and a great choice of painters to think about because of the fact that he's not painting it literally from nature, but much more from him, from himself and his own theories and his own ideas about what a painting should be. And I think Innes was, uh, was a great painter, and yet we could hang an Innes next to a John Singer Sargent and it would be flawless. So that, that idea of the, of the individual is there with Innes differing from Sargent in their interpretation. But there's something about the two of them together that gives us a quality in which we would both agree with both artists and their interpretation of nature. Mm -hmm. But Innes definitely a lot of imagination in his work, yet nobody's going to doubt that that's not a cow walking down the road or that's not a cloud shadow uh, passing, mm -hmm. passing along. Uh, as my father would say, David, it's, it's not a real shadow, it's just paint. <laughs> he was a very smart man, your father. Um, one thing that I've come across just recently was uh, we were talking about Gertrude Fisk. And somebody commented on the fact that she was a very uh, modern woman in her approach to art in that she would always leave in the telegraph poles, the, the, the lines, uh, uh, all the accoutrements of sort of a more modern age, although we're talking about 1930 at this point. Um, and therefore, they were giving her kudos for, for putting things in as they were. And yet somebody like Aldro Hibbard... Uh, was out painting one day and a woman came over to see what he was doing and was most upset that he'd left out the uh, the gas station, the, the, the petrol pumps, out of the painting. Why didn't he put them in? Because they're there, they're in front of you. So we have, on the one hand, an artist who's using his imagination and taking something out, uh, and on the other hand, we've got somebody who's leaving them in. Uh, but is that part of as an artist you have to use your imagination to create the best look and so how does an artist imagine what to put in and what to leave out well i would answer that by saying that that it's it is uh involving the uniqueness or originality that is uh evident in each artist you know david was talking about uh putting an ennis in front of a sergeant both of them are complete and and whole in and of themselves because what's happened is that that this artist has chosen to to create a composition that within it has this this complexity this variety this uh, unity that will work now whether or not that person has decided to keep the poles in the lines in or leave them out, or leave certain pieces out. It's it's according to their composition, and I think that's the important thing to think about in terms of oil painting, is that we're not about telling the truth necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a great uh, teacher of mine who says, "Overstate, understate, never tell the truth." <laughs> An interesting concept. <laughs> Oh, I think it's true. As Degas would say, it's artifice. It's artificial. It's uh, we we can. Um, it's I don't know if you could hang have a show in which you would invite a, a bunch of trees, even if they were from uh, Lord of the Rings, in to look at an exhibit, and they would understand what you did and would say, <laughs> "I recognize Harry as a tree." I think it's much more of a 
it's a soulful human thing that we're doing. I think it's it's the individuals are being appreciated by other individuals who might not have the abilities um, to imagine uh, what's in front of them in a way that is communicating the the the, the very thoughts that the in, in in communicated across. As not everybody has the the talent to go on the stage and to act or uh, to write write a book. I think the uniqueness behind a painting is that I think it's very difficult to take a two-dimensional thing and to try to make the illusion of three dimensions and also include feeling. I think in music, it's very easy to listen to a piece of music and, and flow along and find the rhythm within that music and be taken on a journey. Uh, even poetry, I think, can do that. And even a novel where we get involved in characters. But I think in a painting where it's, it's two-dimensional and it's flat... Um, and it's so it's very I think it's the challenge is there for for a painter to come out and just try to make not only the forms in nature but as Connie points out the feelings that create the dimension it's the feelings that give us the illusion of something being uh, a mile away or two miles away it's not just the color and the value it's it's the feeling that you put in that painting that gives it that quality I would also say that any power a painting has to move us is due to the rhythmic significance of the original planning. Mm -hmm. So it's this original planning that we see in an Ennis or in a Sargent or in any great painting uh, that happens. And, and I think that that's overlooked when we uh, do plein air painting. You know, uh, people get out there and they immediately think it's a la prima, wet on wet, you know, just slap it on. But it's not necessarily that. You have to have some sort of intentionality, some initial, original thought that goes with it. Mm -hmm. I think it's very true. I, th I think a great analogy for this would be we're going to build a house and you have to begin with the foundation and the foundation has to be square and level. And yet the house is not interesting to your best friends who come by and you show them, this is my house, and it's just a foundation. And they say, well, call me back when you have paintings on the walls and rugs on the floor and something to sit in and, uh, and, and a good cup of coffee. Um, so I think you begin, as Connie said, with a very strong concept of how to do it. The ancients uh, had uh, created uh, the golden mean, the golden ratio, which is one way of finding it. Other ways of finding it would be just a simple location, uh, as commercial artists would say, a simple spotting of where their focus should be of, as to what they're interpreting. Um, and, I, and I think that is very important to have a plan. And I think that that's understanding the imagination to such a great understanding uh, because it is ethereal and has these qualities to take you anywhere and everywhere. I think that's very important to tune into that part of it because later on you're going to after once you start building your house you're going to have the windows the doors in proportion with other parts of the house that's you building your composition and I think the initial stages the foundation is what supports the composition and in the end it supports the forms the flowers in the garden the paintings on the wall the couches the fabrics the furniture all the forms that you're going to put in your painting are not the most important thing. That's the last thing. The most important thing is that foundation. 
And I, I, think, I think we have to get there. There's many ways of getting there, but I think if you don't explore your own imagination to, to guide you into the right direction for that particular painting that you're working on, rather than a, have a formulaic concept about uh, how you paint a picture. You know, this reminds me too, uh, when David said about the, if you don't have that initial feeling, um, that it's intuition too, and that artists um, who are outdoor painters or, or studio painters, whatever, they need to be able to trust and confide in their intuition. Uh, a lot of times, especially beginning artists, uh, get so un, un um, like nervous whether they're doing the right or wrong thing. Um, and uh, trusting your intuition is always a good thing. Yeah. Okay, so we've covered quite a lot there. Um, one of the things that perhaps goes with imagination and creativity, would you say that you definitely need a sense of playfulness? Should the artist be out there and looking to enjoy themselves um, with abandon rather than just <laughs> rather than just going out there to try and make a picture? Should they go out with a sense that they've, they've got to project that idea that they've enjoyed the process? I definitely think so, Judy. I think that's, that's a real important aspect. In fact, if painting isn't fun, then you shouldn't do it. I think getting out in nature, I know for myself, when I first began to really paint outdoors, I loved the sense that nature felt. It's like birds chirping, you know, the, the wind whipping up and then dying down. All these things, the, the, the change of light, some of it was disconcerting, but at the same time, and more importantly, it was a blast. I had so much fun, and uh, I think that we all have to, to feel that we're having fun out there, and that also, once you do a painting, it may not be the greatest painting in the world, uh, but so be it. You'll be out there again. Yeah. I think you're right. The experience of, of doing is the reason why painters paint. Mm -hmm. And it's not, the results are wonderful. Usually, most of the time, the results are not wonderful. The results are very frustrating. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's much more about the experience of doing. And, uh, and, and maybe, maybe this one will come out, the, the inspiration of saying, maybe this is the one that will be the masterpiece. This will, be, this will end my, my fascination with painting and begin my fascination with the violin. <laughs> well, I didn't realise you were thinking of taking up the violin, Dave, but that's I good haven't to done know. a good painting yet. <laughs> okay, well, I, uh, I thank you both for your input there, the sight and the insight. It uh, opens thank up you. a whole new dimension. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this conversation with Connie Nagel and David Curtis, and I hope you'll join us for our next podcast, uh, which will uh, look at a different idea or different part of creativity uh, presume uh, probably I say looking at my crib notes here uh, we'll be talking about aesthetics in painting so I hope you'll join us for that thank you very much for listening we hope you've enjoyed it uh, thank you and goodbye <laughs>